Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You'll hear my exclusive interview with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. He talks about what went wrong in 2017, why Dirk Cutter and Jason Light are back this season, the truth about their flirtation with John Gruden, and why he believes Jameis Winston is telling the truth about an Uber ride that is a subject of an NFL investigation. That's coming up, as well as what we found out about the Rays this weekend. They can't score any runs. And the problems mount for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lose 4-1 to to Nashville Sunday. And Steven Stamkos, well, he went out to a lower body injury. That's troubling enough. And it's Michigan against Villanova for the NCAA Men's National Basketball Championship. Who you got? All that and more on this busy Monday edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstick. And before we get started with this podcast, we want to welcome back our sponsor, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. You know, it's spring, and that's the season of love. So if you're looking for that perfect gift for your wife or girlfriend, guys, go see our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Whether you're trying to find that diamond pendant or bracelet or earrings, or maybe you're ready to pop the question, you need that engagement ring, you're going to get the best price at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Why walk around the jewelry stores and the shopping mall They've got a big overhead, and that means a bigger price to you. At Continental, diamonds are direct from the cutter. No middleman, so that means true wholesale prices. There's no pressure. You're going to come in, and he's going to pour you a nice scotch and teach you about the four C's of diamonds, carrot, cut, color, and clarity. He's going to match that perfect diamond for your loved one. And it's Continental Wholesale Diamonds. It's where I shop, and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. So we'll get to my interview with Joel Glazer from the NFL owners meetings last week in just a minute. It was a really good interview. You want to stay on tune for that. But the last time we spoke, remember the Rays had this stirring comeback win with the six runs in the eighth inning. Opening day, they beat the Red Sox 6-4. to four. Well, since then, nada. These guys can't hit, Steve. I was out there on Sunday, man, and they lose 2-1 to one on Easter Sunday to the Red Sox. It was their third straight loss all by one run. And this this looks like it's going to be a theme, Steve. I mean, I know the I know you can't judge, you know, an entire season on one series, and they did face Chris Sale and David Price and Rick Pacello and I mean guys that have won the Cy Young. I get all that. But they did not show much of a threat at all offensively. And if you're asking this team to string together a bunch of hits, which is what they'll have to do to score with only an occasional home run. I mean, you know, Brad Miller popped one for their only run on Easter Sunday. It's going to be really difficult for these guys to compete in the American League East. Well, if you remember in opening day, they scored six runs in the eighth inning, but they got four walks as part of that. They only had three hits that inning to drive in six runs. And they only had one going into that inning. Yeah. Well, Chris Sale, as usual, pretty much uh, shut them down, as he always does. I think there's a few things with it. One is, you know, the Red Sox pitching staff is better than most that they're going to see all year. So you're playing the cream of the crop, especially when, you know, go deep in the starters. You're right. And and we've talked about this leading up to opening day is that do you believe there's enough offense on this team to compete? Now, they showed us in this first series they can pitch and they can play defense. They showed us that. 
I mean, they held the Boston lineup to, you know, what, two more runs than they scored in the series, uh, and not right. many runs over four games. The defense, uh, you were at the game Sunday, saved several They were runs. outstanding. Look, yeah, I mean, uh, they had a diving stop at second base, saved a run. Uh, Smith, you know, had made a diving catch in left field, saved two runs. They got Carlos Gomez threw a guy out of the plate. That's their fourth. I mean, they saved four runs in this game, and that's why they were only in it. So to be honest, I mean, the Rays should have tied this game up. They were trailing, you know, two to one in the sixth inning. And, you know, they weren't good with runners in scoring position as it was. They wound up going 0 for 5 in that situation. Um, But in the sixth inning, you know, they get a double to right field by Joey Wendell and Matt Duffy's on first. And he's, he's running pretty hard. And that ball rattles around in the corner a little bit. And I swear to you, Duffy was touching third base before the relay had come all the way in. And... Your boy, <laughs> I say your boy, I interviewed him, Matt Quartrero, uh, the third base coach. You know, this is his, hey, hey, Matt, th- welcome to the big leagues. This is your first decision. Do you wave him in or not? Eh, eh, he held him up. And everybody started booing, and rightfully so. Now, I heard Neil Solons and some other guys say, no, 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 that's the right play. You got second and third, you know, down by a run. It's only the sixth inning. You don't want to make, don't want to get thrown out of the plate. What's the purpose of that? Wilson Ramos you know, is, is up next. Well, he flew out to right field and that was it. And they, you know, they didn't get a sniff of it again until the bottom of the ninth. And, you know, they ended up with a situation where, uh, yeah, I think he had first and third and a full count. Uh, Denard Spann was up there. And of course he was Thursday's hero. And then Joe Kelly, who was throwing about 98 miles an hour. It was almost unfair. He gets behind three and one and Joe Kelly throws him a fastball and Spann jumps all over it, but he's too quick. And he drills it down, you know, foul down the right field line. So then there's like a little meeting at the mound, and basically, I, mean, I guess the decision was made. Kelly's like, I'm not throwing a fastball. <laughs> I'm not going to give in. Even we got a base open. If I have to, I'll load the bases. And so he bounced, he bounced you know, a, a nasty curve, and when you're looking for 98, of course, you know what happened. Spans swung through it. But there was never – here's the thing, Steve. These aren't even loud outs, okay? They had a couple home runs in the series, and other than that, I mean – you know, Matt Duffy had a pretty good series. He, I think he had two hits uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, and, and guys, they're, they're moving the ball. They're not standing up there striking out like, like they did a year ago. But there's also never a feeling that somebody's going to come up in a one-run ball game and hit a home run for you. I mean, and I don't – look, this lineup, you could say, well, they, they faced good pitching, and they did. But I don't see anyone in this lineup. There's no one that's going to bash their way through this. And, that, and I just – I don't feel like they're going to string enough hits against anybody. This team's not going to score any runs. I think there'll be a bunch of hitters at the end of the year that finish 250, 260, 270 with their average, but mm-hmm. are they going to be able to string four, five, six hits together? I mean, in opening day, they had three hits. The ending, they scored six runs. The Boston pitchers gave them four walks. They took advantage of it, but they didn't hit their way to six runs. Right. No, I, it, it's going to be a struggle. Now they go to the Yankees, and it's going to be freezing. Now, here's the other thing. You're going on this freezing. road trip, it's right? It's going to be snowing. It's going to be snowing, and I don't think they're going to face a temperature at any day during this road trip that goes over 40 or 50, 50 degrees. Let's say let's put it the under over at 50. It's going to be under. I, saw, da- I saw Dave Wills post on Facebook that there was one day on the road trip that was supposed to be 50 or higher. And if you think that helps your bats, I got something. I got news for you because the worst thing in the world was when, I, when you're playing in cold weather, as, you know, trying to hold a bat, let alone a wooden one. And, you know, you could say, well, you know, the ball's hard to grip to and, you know, the pitcher's arms and all that. No, it's harder to hit. And you're going to get wind and you get all kinds. And in this case, 
they got snow in the forecast. So this is not baseball weather. No one wants to hit in this stuff, and they're struggling enough as it is. I don't, I don't exactly see them bashing their way out of Yankee Stadium. So it, it's, it's, I, you know, here they are. I mean, you know, did they, did they, did they play well in this series? Yeah, they pitched pretty well. I mean, I think you know, even though they they only had three named starters, they still managed to spackle it together and only use two pitchers in the other two games. But you know, it, there's just there's no reason to think you start one and three that that's not going to become, you know, two and eight. I mean, this thing could slip away quickly, as they say. So I don't know. I think I think they should have known this is what they have, and we'll see. Again, it's one series, and and they won't always be facing Cy Young pitchers every day, but. Man, it was depressing. So, speaking of depression, you're, you're starting to sound like Tom Jones now. I know, I know. Well, no, I said that. Look, I'm on record, and I, I vacillated a little bit because you know they went and got some players that I didn't expect, like Carlos Gomez and whatnot. But I said from the beginning, I think this team's going to lose 100 games. I just do. I, I don't. I, I mean, and that's brutal, right? Because that means you only won 62, and everybody wins 60, it seems. But I don't. I don't see how they can keep this sustained I think the most interesting part of this season is going to be when they get into July or whenever it is that they that they bring up you know the Jake Bowers and and Willie Adamas's and people like that because then then you'll start to see the young core of players that are going to be going to be their core because so many of these guys um are one and done in my opinion you know I mean they're playing with a bunch of guys that you're not going to see here a year from now and certainly maybe not two years from now so that's that's going to be the really what matters is how well um, some of the guys from AAA when they get here do. Now, speaking of unsettling, how about your Tampa Bay Lightning? What the heck is going on with those guys? Um, I, I, you know, I watched the game. It was a close game. Nashville's a very good team. I will say this. They did a hell of a job against uh, the Lightning in the penalty kill because the Lightning were 0 for 5. They lose the game 4 to 1. It was much closer than that, 2 to 1 going into third. Um, but let's just start with, with Stamkos. So Stamkos apparently tweaked uh, his leg that had kept him out of a game previously, like in the second period, and he did not return. No, there was no update tonight or uh, Sunday night. They, they have a practice Monday at 1130. Uh, probably get an update then on his status. I wouldn't be surprised. Most people are speculating that he'll be out the next three games, the last three games of the season. They'll save him for the playoffs, assuming everything's okay. Just let him rest until you know next Thursday or Friday when they'll start the playoffs, presumably against Toronto at this point. But uh, oh, Tom God. Jones had tweeted that uh, Stamkos was seen after the game in street clothes, didn't appear to have a limp or anything, seemed to be you know okay just from a visual standpoint. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully it's all fine. But wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play the rest of the regular season the last three games this week. Oh, I wouldn't play him. I would, what, for I who, for either. what? I wouldn't either. I mean, they're all, but they're now two points behind uh, Boston. It, uh, they got a big game on. If they lose it, to Boston uh, Tuesday, the last two games mean nothing. They don't mean anything. I mean, right. they've, they're already ahead of Toronto. Toronto cannot pass them in the standings. Mm-hmm. So if they lose to Boston, I mean, I think mathematically they could still take first, but realistically they won't. And so they'll end up playing Toronto, and, and these games that wouldn't, won't mean that much. And you got, I mean, you got to have Stamp. This can't be another year where you go into the postseason and you think the Stamp Ghost might not be there with you. That would be devastating. But overall, I mean, I just look. I think the Boston game with the goaltender interference—that's one they could have won. They did play. They did compete well. And you're one that believes, and probably rightfully so, that there's not a lot of carryover from the regular season as far as how you're playing going into the postseason. But I'll just say this. They've lost most of their games to the really good teams and have beaten the teams that aren't so good. They have lost four of the last five. The Boston game in Boston last Thursday, the Rangers game Friday, and Nashville tonight. 
or Sunday. Uh, they played they played very well in those games. Uh, they had spurts where maybe not, but for the most part, their compete level, everything we worried about two weeks ago, they don't look like they're interested. They don't look like they're trying. They're just coasting. They're this. You can throw that out the window for the way they've played the last three games. Now, they had some bad bounces along the way. The goaltender interference call in Boston tonight. Um, Philip uh, Forsberg made a, a great play on the first goal. It was a hell of a move, Johansson. yeah. Uh, the second goal goes off Strawman's stick, off his leg, and then knuckleballs mm. through Vasilevsky's pads. Um, then once they got the third goal and, and were up 3-1, then they really tightened their defense down. And the Lightning got a little frustrated in that. But, you know, the compete level was a lot better than we've seen. Is it – are they ready for the playoffs? I don't know if you know that. Uh, but mm. but they definitely have raised their game from where it was two weeks ago to where it is today. Yeah, they don't sound worried. I mean, I'll give them that much. They, they, you know, Cooper and them sound – much more convinced that they're on the right track. But, you know, all that matters, really, none of this matters uh, other than whether they were to get the first seed. But all that matters is what happens when they do get the postseason. The disturbing we'll trend is for five games in a row now they've given up the first goal. Yes, you and, can't do that know, in the postseason. The postseason, you want to play with a lead, not from behind. No doubt about you that. You definitely don't want to be chasing goals. So you must be thrilled, though, that uh, your Michigan – Hail to the victors, Michigan Wolverines are in uh, the national championship game, as you expected when the season began, of course. My ESPN bracket has Michigan over Villanova in the final. <laughs> 72-66 to 66 was my prediction before the tournament started. No one cares about your bracket, man. That's the last – that's really seriously. <laughs> Let me tell you about my bracket and my fantasy football team, okay? Who's your quarterback? Well, you I asked got Brady if I'm or Aaron Rodgers. You, you asked if I'm thrilled. I predicted this. No. You're thrilled because you're a Michigan person. A- absolutely. That's why you're thrilled. Hey, by the way, well, okay, so it's Michigan-Villanova. Well, look, best of luck to Sister Jean. That game, I thought your team was going down. They're, what, I, think, um, I think they were up. Well, Michigan was down like seven or eight points. Seven what, at the half. To go? Yeah, they, were up, they were up like eight points early. They were down seven at the half. Okay. And played awful first half. They played terrible, yeah. Um, and and as my family was texting back and forth going, I'm a little worried. I said, well, the good thing is I don't think they can play any worse. I don't know if they'll <laughs> play better, but I don't think they can play worse in the second half. Yeah. So who do you like? Do you like them against? No, Nova's awful strong. Man. I, I mean, Nova's the better team by far. Yeah. Michigan plays good defense, and, and Villanova they will not get good They won't get as many open three looks as they did against Kansas. I mean, every shot they were taking against Kansas was wide open. And it's it's because their point guards are really good at driving and dishing, and I mean they're a really good team. Uh, They'll have their their shots will be more contested this time. If they're shooting anywhere like they did the other night, Nova crushes Michigan. Michigan's got to hope Nova isn't quite as sharp, and and some of that's going to be your defense. And then Michigan's got to shoot better than it has in every game except Texas A and M, where they shot the lights out. Yeah, they they got to shoot something closer to that. They got to shoot something closer to Texas A and M game than they did the other games. I mean, second half, they they played really good. You know, I thought they shot mm-hmm. the ball better. Oh, they but, they yeah. well, and they turned up their defense. I mean, they did. Know, Loyola couldn't generate anything in that second half. No, so many turnovers they created, and Loyola, like you said, they just kind of fell apart. But that'll be interesting, man. I've uh, seen this Michigan game before, Wolves. by the way, in the tournament. You have nineteen eighty five, Dayton, Ohio, in March. Number one seed Michigan, number eight seed Villanova. Hmm. I was at the game. Villanova upset Michigan. <laughs> These aren't the same players, right? Well, they they, <laughs> they, they went, graduated. Villanova went on to upset Georgetown in the final. Oh wow! That year they were an eight seed. But I remember yeah. I was I was uh, nine or ten years old. 
and Dayton well, Ohio, watching watching Michigan get up. What upset. year was and that? Was by upset. the way, 1985, March of 85. 85. Yeah. Several years later, uh, I was old enough to uh, actually cover Ramil Robinson in his free throw. In that Michigan won in Seattle. Yeah. In Seattle, yeah, that was crazy. I was I in. That. Uh, I was in junior high. There you go. So you probably remember it as well. Oh, I absolutely did. My parents let me stay up to watch that game. They would never you let me stay up that late. You, you got to stay up to watch this one. I think it'll be a good one, at least for half until you're well, we'll, we'll be staying up because we'll be taping this after that. I know we will. I'm well aware of this. <laughs> yes. And I'm almost afraid to see what happens if Michigan wins. You'll be like, uh, you'll, be, you'll be so happy. Or if they lose, then you won't be. Okay, so I mentioned that uh, last week, and it, this is what really this podcast is about, and we just wanted to update you on everything that's happened over the weekend because it was a fascinating weekend if you're a Rays fan or a Lightning fan. And, um, you know, gosh, I, I don't feel very confident about the race. I do about the Lightning, although Stamkos bothers me. But last week I was at the NFL owners meeting, and we played, we played just snippets of this uh, when it occurred. But I wanted you to get a chance to, uh, you know, once a year I get to sit down with uh, Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. And, you know, when it first started years ago, it was kind of like, you know, the Glazers were very reticent, and they're still not really uh, prone to do many interviews. Well, one on the record, at least a year. Um, but they got better as the years went on. And, of course, with all the – I mean, this goes back, you know, so many coaching changes, and it seemed like every one year or two I was talking about why they fired a guy and why this guy didn't work out and so on. Well, this year was a little different in, in the sense that they had – they were coming off a bad season. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Season at five and eleven, and one that was you know chock full of expectations that were not met. Uh, a weird year, of course, that you know sort of uh, began with uh, Hurricane Irma, and then uh, you know injuries to Jameis, and so many different things happened. But they stuck with their coach Dirk Cutter, and they stuck with Jason Light, um, despite the flirtations with John Gruden. And I want you to give get an idea of, of just. What it's like to sit down with with just myself and Joel Glazer, and have him address all these issues uh, that transpired last year, uh, the reason for retaining Dirk Cutter and Jason Light, um, what what the you know the truth and what the non truths were uh, about their situation, whether they considered John Gruden or not, um, and then and then the most fascinating thing I think of all of this is listen to how Joel Glazer stands behind quarterback Jameis Winston. I mean, you know, there is always, uh, you know, a an inclination whether you're, you know, look, whether you're Bob Kraft and you believe Tom Brady had nothing to do with the flake gate uh, or you're Jerry Jones and you think Ezekiel Elliott absolutely doesn't deserve a suspension. I mean, this is not unusual for ownership to have the back of, of their players that are under investigation. But if you listen to how full-throated Joel Glazer's um, you know, sort of belief, if you will, in Jameis Winston and what he's being told about the situation that happened in Arizona with an Uber driver that's the subject of this investigation back in 2016. I think it would be very surprised when you hear it from from his lips and how he says it of just how 
absolutely he believes what Jameis Winston is saying about that situation. So here's my interview with Bucks co-chairman Joel Glazer. In 10 minutes or less, what happened last season? <laughs> Give me the, the abridged version. Hey, last season was uh, it was a strange season. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, when it all ended and he just reflected on the whole season, it was just a one of those seasons where not one game went our way. I mean, you look at the last half of the season, a lot of close games, and usually in the NFL, a couple go your way, and that just didn't happen. And then, you know, the injuries and Jameis' injury, and uh, it's just one of those seasons you want to put in the rearview mirror, try and take some positives, and look forward. Let me ask you, uh, you know, the year began with such great expectations, and, and rightfully so, but then you had hard knocks, um, hurricane, different things like you mentioned that were strained. Looking back on hard knocks, was was was, was that a mistake? Did that did that somehow you think affect the team and in, in, in the way they handled the attention that they got? No, I, I think that would be uh, I don't get cop out to point to hard knocks and use it as an excuse. Actually, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with the hard knocks when I don't think it had any real effect on our team. Um, it was it was you know a lot of factors, like you said, the hurricane. That was a very stressful couple weeks, right up coming right out of the gate, and then we didn't have a bye the whole week. But you know, I don't use any excuses. Our record was our record. I don't think Dirk would make any excuses or Jason. And uh, we just got to look, look look at last year, try and correct some of the problems, and move forward. Tell me, uh, you, you you're no stranger to changing coaches, and we talked about that. Um, you want to win, and, and and that's why you've done it in the past. Why, why, after a 5-11 and 11 season, um, do you have faith that, uh, that, that Dirk and, and Jason are the guys to turn us around? Well, I think what you learn over time is things take time. And you got to look at the players we've put on this roster. And we do feel through the draft we've added some real quality players. We think that last year, again, like I said, there were a lot of, external, a lot of factors going into last season. And then you look at the last half of the season. Well, we lost a lot of close games. Our players are playing hard, and you know, you, you just—I respect the players playing hard. I respect Dirk, the way he uh, hung in there, and things were kind of tough. And um, you know, we feel like we were playing strong at the end of the year, had a lot of positives, and quite frankly, we need to add to the roster. Mm -hmm. And you can't uh, can't look past that either. What makes you think he's the right guy? I mean, what I know you mentioned they played hard. Was I mean? Uh, he was nine and seven the year before. I mean, well, that, you know that's the thing. Nine and seven the year before, everyone is great expectations, which are great. Yeah, doing positive. So he's the same person. Same guy. Same coach. Nine and seven. Again, can't discount the fact that Jameis did get hurt last year. He was playing hurt. And, you know, uh, one thing you got to applaud is he went out there and he played. Now, some people may have questioned maybe he shouldn't have been playing. Mm -hmm. That's easy in hindsight. But what do you want? You want guys who are going fight, play hard, and uh, be leaders on the team. Um, you put your former coach, John Gruden, in the ring of honor, and um, I think there was lots of talk and speculation then that he was thinking very seriously about coming back to coaching. The Bucks and the Raiders were, were special places for him. Did, did you consider hiring him at all? Was there at least a discussion um, among the family that, that that might be something you wanted to do? I think there's... There's a lot of misinformation going on around there when John was considering to come back. Obviously, we have a long relationship with John. John was going to the Ring of Honor. John's around Tampa. So, you know, I, I think there was a lot of speculation on that part. Um, we think very highly of John. But today, we just we felt that 
we're two years into this with uh, Dirk. We look back in 97, we look at the factors for last year, and we look at what happened at the end of last year. And uh, the right thing for this team was to continue on. You told, or at least it became known to Dirk, that he would be back with still one week left in the season. They go out and they beat New Orleans. Why did you think it was important to, to, to pass that message on to him then? Part of it was all the speculation. Part of it was that it was going to happen. So <laughs> let's just let it be known. Let's put an end to all this speculation. And again, you can't control the speculation. It's not something we historically love to chase and dampen down and all that. But we just felt a decision had been made and we were moving forward. And let, let's just move on. So let's move on. And we talk about a little bit about 2019. Um, first of all, what do you make of what you've done so far to, to, to begin to reconstruct your team? I've liked our offseason. I've liked it. Um, you know, free agency, I've always said I'm not the biggest fan of free agency, but, but uh, in the right spots, absolutely. And we've addressed what I think has been a glaring uh, hole on our team is along the lines. And football, so many people say, that, that's where it all starts. So I think we've added some quality in both areas. Um, you know, done on the offensive line a lot Allen go back to guards we've really upgraded two positions there so I feel you know I feel really good about what what has transpired and still have the draft to, to add some pieces so I, I'm very pleased with where we're at what what would be a successful uh, season for, for 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 you to feel good about you know moving forward to these two guys and and I mean we know you want to get back in the playoffs it's been a decade I mean that's always the goal right but I mean, is that is it is it playoffs or bust? Everybody knows what's at stake. Is it no? Know? It's not that. And you know, the, the one thing I I, I don't want to lower our expectations sure. because we've had haven't had the success of the last ten years. The goal is still the ultimate goal. You know, you always want to see improvement. You want to see this team growing. Again, a couple of good signs under all this is you know we're re-signing some of our own guys. That generally means you're drafting well, and um, we just some of the, the smaller things that didn't go our way. We just got to get to go our way. Let's talk a little bit about Jameis Winston. Um, he was injured, as you mentioned. Um, you went two and one when he was out. He, he was three and ten as a starter last year. Again, the injuries were part of that. But he's played three seasons now. Are you getting from your franchise quarterback? Is he? Um, is he? Is he? Has he? Why? Why has he gotten over the hump yet? Do you think, or is, or is that just a lot to put him on? Well, I think again, if you look at last season, the tale of a couple of seasons with Jameis, he's playing hurt. And, you know, when you're a quarterback, if your throwing shoulder is not right, that has an effect. But uh, we're very pleased, very, very pleased with Jameis. Pleased with his progress. You know, he's, he's, he's the quarterback, so he's always going to get the most scrutiny. But it's a team game, and you, and you need some help, and you've got to get the right piece around. You've got to have time to throw the ball. That affects a lot of things. So, so we... we trying to address other areas of the team, and we have great confidence in Jameis Winston. It's been nearly six months, the NFL... Uh, I got seven minutes, right? Yeah. It's been six months since um, the NFL uh, announced that, or at least informed um, the box and Jameis that he was under investigation for these allegations. Um, both your coach and GM have said they're kind of frustrated maybe by the pace of that. What's your understanding of how long this, this may take or, or even where it's headed? You know, the NFL, they do things at their own pace. They got their own processes that follow, and we let them do it. And, uh, you know, clearly everyone liked this to be resolved once and for all quicker. But I have great confidence that they will you know, get this resolved and uh, go through, you know, finish up what they got to finish up and then we move forward. He's denied the allegations, Joel. Do, do you believe him? 
Jameis has been nothing but a uh, great person since he's been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he's done everything we've asked of him. He's been a great leader. He's been unbelievable in the community. And, uh, you know, we, we have great confidence in Jason, uh, James. And uh, so we're, we, we focus on what the great things James has done. And you know what people say. I mean, here's a guy that came to the league and he was under scrutiny and you said you were okay, investigated that situation. Um, and, and then now, you know, a couple of years, a year or so later, is another. I mean, how do you, how do you account for um, the same player essentially being accused of something um, like this? I, I can't get into what other people say and speculate and all that. I can only speak to the person I know and okay. the person I have known and the person everyone I know knows. And that's what I'll speak to. And that's a first-class individual, uh, hardworking, wonderful in the community, a leader, and everything that uh, we would have hoped for in our quarterback. Yeah, going to another side, your, your brother uh, Ed hosted a fundraising dinner uh, for Donald Trump. Um, will, will you guys explain that at all to some of the players that have opposed the, the president? And does it fly in the face of the commissioner's sort of stated goal of keeping politics out of football? Yeah, you know, I'm all for keeping politics out of football. And, and uh, it's, it's really important to us. And, you know, the big family, and when our big family, everyone has their different uh, things that they do. But for, for me and for us, we're focused on what's happening on the field, what's happening in our organization, and again, the one goal is to keep politics out of our, our organization. So, um, okay, are you okay then? Like, if players continue to protest, you supported them a little bit last year, they're right to do so? Are you going to be... You know, I think on this issue, the NFL has done some wonderful, taken some wonderful steps forward. Um, programs they're creating, yeah. we've done the same thing with our players. We want to support our players. Issues are important to them. The one thing we have made clear to them is we are here to help. We're help, here to help them in the community and get out there and make a difference. And we think that's the most productive way to deal with these. And that's why we're providing all the support that we're providing. And we are there for our players that want to get out there in the community and make a difference in the community. My final question is I'm, I'm up again. Uh, you put $160 million into this stadium, yeah. um, which exceeds, I think, maybe what you started with to think about. <laughs> Having said that, you know, and, and you, you did hold the line on prices for a long time, but you raised tickets three years in a row. Are, are those somehow related? And, and, you know, what about that? Is, is, is this just the cost of doing business now? You have to pass on the customers? Or? You know, part of it is I think we went eight years without raising ticket prices. And when you look around the league, you got to be somewhat competitive. And, and also, there's been a lot of change in the whole ticket world and readjusting prices and dynamic pricing, flexible pricing, all these different pricing programs. So, you know, we just can't stay, stand still and not just to the way tickets are being sold these days. So, you know, we did that, and but we think we're still very affordable and uh, still in the fair range in the National Football League and, and uh, provide a great, you know, with the 160 million, provide a great atmosphere in the stadium for fans to come out. So I'm clear, the, uh, and I just want to give you a chance, you don't have to answer this, but the, the, the whole idea of, of telling season ticket holders or certain season ticket holders we're not going to let you buy season tickets because you're selling them, is, is that to create a better environment. Uh, yeah, well, part, you know, part, part of the issue in that is, again, we want to create a good environment for the season ticket holders. And, um, you know, if someone's at a game every week and there's people that are around them that aren't making for a good experience, we, we just got to look at that and make sure that we are taking, you know, trying to make the best experience for the people possible. For your fans yeah, as opposed to other, other teams' fans. Okay. So not exactly a, uh, a complete sort of denial that they weren't interested in some level of John Gruden. He didn't exactly address that 
just uh, head on. But let's be honest, as John would say, let's be honest, man. Ten years, ten million dollars. There's no way they were going to pay that for John Gruden again after a guy that they paid fifteen million dollars to go away, uh, and then and then have to uh, be on the hook for all that. So in the negotiation, really, in the negotiation, could you say, well, we'll give you ten years, hundred million, but we already paid you fifteen to go away. So how about eight, <laughs> eighty-five million over the ten years? Eighty-five between friends. Yeah. Um, now that wasn't going to happen, and I still believe because I the the response that John Gruden gave at I guess it was the NFL Combine when he was uh, sort of first confronted with, well, what about the Bucks if you wanted to coach again? When did you decide uh, that um, you know that that you weren't going to coach in Tampa Bay? And he just sternly looked at the uh, uh, at the reporters and he just went, "When I was fired." <laughs> okay, so not one to be bitter, but I, I think, and I've heard since that you know the, the theory is that if 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 somebody's fired you once, don't give him a chance to do it again. Um, you know, look, he's, he's in Oakland and, and it was a ton of money. And according to Joel, they believe in Dirk Cutter. The other thing that was interesting about that interview was, uh, again, how, how he stood, um, behind Jameis Winston. And, and I will say that the organization, I think truly believes, uh, that this could be a, he said, she said situation where, um, there, there's just no, you know, tangible evidence that would, uh, indicate that Jameis did anything wrong and they, and that that the investigation will prove that I'm not so sure though, with respect to being suspended, like the thing that would bother me if I were a player in this situation, show me one that's been under investigation that didn't get something right. I'm not talking about criminal charges. That's not going to happen. There might not even be a civil case uh, in this instance, but um, you know, you did see a similar situations where there were no criminal charges or civil cases and you know, guys like Ezekiel, or you saw Tom Brady, you know, uh, destroy a, a cell phone, and that somehow uh, made him uh, more culpable. So th- th- I'm telling you that the the player conduct penalty, what I would be concerned about if I were the Bucks and, and Jameis, is that it's so broad. It absolutely can can mean anything that you brought, uh, you know, sort of the NFL in a bad light even, um, they could get you for it. So I'm, I'm not as so sure. We'll know more after they interview Jameis and, and, and they complete their case. And I know the biggest thing is the Bucks would like to have and I'm sure Jameis, too, they have, have the decision on this long before they get to training camp uh, in July. So we want to know what you think about that interview and everything else that we've said on this podcast. And you can do that by engaging us in conversation on Twitter, at uh, SportsDayTV. You can reach us at SportsDayTV or myself at NFL Stroud. You can also email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. We want you to make this a habit, rate and review this podcast, Steve, and they can do that almost anywhere. Anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or, of course, TampaBay.com slash sports always has the latest. Also check with TampaBay.com and join us again tomorrow. We might have more on Steven Stamkos, and a national champion will be crowned. Hail to the victors. 